Wanting to know exactly how God brings good out of evil, for all things work together for good to them that love God, wanting to know how God does that is not simply an exercise for curious minds. God has given us some broad strokes of how he does this in Scripture so that our faith can be trained, our faith can trust in him when things go terribly wrong. This is uh, Colin Cook here, and this is How It Happens, a broadcast on the good news of the gospel. Here we learn through the book of Romans how God's grace works through his Son, how he overcomes the power of evil, how he atones for our sins, reveals his love for us, so that we can trust him when everything seems so dark and sinister. You can listen to this program every Monday through Friday. I recommend it. Uh, 10 o'clock in the evening on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning. Or you can hear it any time of the day or night on your remote device, your smartphone, for example. Uh, simply go to SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash faithquest, or go to Podbean, faithquest dot podbean dot com and uh, you can hear the programs any time of the day or night. So yesterday we talked about how God um, promises that all things work together for good. We haven't really explored how that happens. One thing that we do know, for instance, you remember that demoniac, that uh, poor man tormented out of his mind. Um, he comes, he's, he's in chains, he's, um, uh, it, who knows how long he's been there, we don't. But uh, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell be down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High, High God? I beg you, do not torment me. And uh, we see a sort of interlocking of this man's plea with the demons him themselves who seem to be uh, holding his mind, possessing his mind. But you notice that the demons are terrified. That is something very important to understand. They are begging the Son of the Most High God not to, to, to torment them. It's obvious then that the, de the demons know more than human beings do about the victory of Christ over them. Christ's death, Christ's victory in this world, the fact that Christ Jesus did not succumb in one instant to the power of Satan, terrifies the demons. They realize there is one person in this world they do not have control over. And that one person in human form is God, of course. God among men. You know, what God does in making all things work together for good is not to eliminate the evil, but transform its effects. Now, let me say that again. All things work, working together for good does not come about by God eliminating evil, but transforming the effects of evil. The man's mind, for instance, the, the man who was mad, his mind was, was possessed by the powers of darkness. But did God destroy those powers of darkness? No, he worked through them and in them to bring that man to his sanity. 
Now, we can look at this in a much larger picture. Babylon, for instance, that wicked empire of the ancient East, gathering up people and uh, slaughtering them and enslaving them. It was an evil empire. It was a pagan empire. It did not recognize God. And yet God allowed it to develop and uh, limited the, its expansion. And so finally, that kingdom of Babylon, which was wicked in its intent, attacked Israel, and God employed Babylon's attack to discipline the people of God. The people of God lost their temple under Babylon and were carried into captivity, and the reformation of Israel came about by the exercise of an evil power that was in the hands of God, in the control of the hands of God. So, and we see this, uh, by the way, you can read the descriptions of it in uh, Jeremiah, of course, but also prophesied in Ezekiel, in, uh, in, um, in uh, um, Isaiah. And what goes on is that God takes the power of evil and limits its effects upon the world so that they fall out to the discipline of the people of God to bless them. You can see this also in the book of Esther. Have you read the book of Esther recently? There was that mad Haman who was meg megalomaniac that he was, and he wanted power, prestige, and um, the one power that was opposed to him was the captive people of God, the Jews. But it so happened, you see, that Esther was a very beautiful woman, and Ahasuerus, the king, the emperor, was in love with her, was absolutely entranced by her, and she happened to be the daughter of orphaned parents. Uh, she happened to be the orphaned daughter of parents and her uncle, Mordecai, happened to be in the courts of the emperor. Now, was all this coincidence? Not at all. What's so interesting about the book of Esther is that God is not mentioned once, but it is very, very obvious that the cunning author of the book of Esther was implying God at every step, because God was working his will through the evil purposes of Haman. And it all turned—read the chapters them yourself. Uh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. The effect that God's grace brings about was that instead of the people of God, the Jews, being slaughtered under the power of Haman, it was Haman and his henchmen— who were put to death, and it was Israel's name that prospered throughout the Medo-Persian Empire at the time. God then, you see, is able to work all things for good that are evil in this world. And you've heard me say many, many times the most favorite example of mine is the story of Joseph, 
this man who was uh, uh, kidnapped by his jealous brothers and uh, carted off to Egypt. And uh, there he was sold as a slave. And he ended up in the house of Potiphar, who thought he was a terrific guy and put him in charge of his whole household. But then his wife got the hots for him, and she tried to seduce him. He refused, but and as a result, she was so angry, she accused him of rape. He was put in the dungeon where Pharaoh's, some of Pharaoh's uh, uh, people were, and he blessed the people in the dungeon. And the result was the, that he interpreted their dreams. One of them was restored to the Pharaoh's uh, court, and two years later, three years later, um, Pharaoh himself had dreams. And the courtier remembered that Joseph had interpreted his dreams. And so Joseph was hauled out of prison, given a, a shower and, and clean clothes and shaven, and stood before Pharaoh and interpreted his dreams. And overnight, the man became prime minister of Egypt saving Egypt from an horrendous famine, seven years of plenty, and then seven years of famine. And as a result, all of Israel, of Egypt, was saved, including Joseph's people in Canaan. And then you get these words that I've mentioned so often in Genesis chapter 45, verses 5, 7, and 8, and Genesis 50, verse 20, where Joseph says to his brothers, you did not send me here, but God sent me. How in the world could he say that when he knew fully well that his brothers had kidnapped him and sent him there? But you see, what he is now discerning, Joseph, is that God's sovereign power, through the victory of Christ which was to come thousands of years later, was operating through the evil powers of Egypt and the brothers, and working out his will. There were two wills involved, do you see? The will of Satan operating through evil men, and the will of God in his love and grace operating through those evil powers to limit them, to direct their effects, so that the end result turns out to be a blessing for the world. This is what we learn in Scripture. If you want to explore this subject, it is massive, but I tell you, a good idea is to start in Genesis and explore it all the way through to the book of Revelation. It is quite astonishing. And it is this that Paul understands because he was appointed by Christ and he was a very, very assiduous and faithful and dedicated Bible student. He read the Old Testament, he explored it, and he wanted to understand how these things could be. And because of the victory of Christ, he came to the right conclusion. Because, you see, the greatest example of this, as I have said many times, is the death of Jesus himself. The worst event in the history of the world was the murder of the Son of God. And yet the greatest event in the history of the world is that same event, for it was the sacrifice of God's Son for the sins of the world. And so what God does is to take evil and transform its effect. But there is more. And the thing 
that is most important is that God does not simply take evil and turn it into good, but God provokes evil by bringing good into the world, knowing full well that Satan will try to ravish it. And in the process of ravishing, God will bring his grace out of it. So let's get a little more personal, shall we, and say this. Believe that God takes all your history and turns it into blessing by causing all of those evil events in your life to be the effects of them to be turned into good so that you may be drawn to his heart and led to trust in him. You would never have trusted in him without trouble. Believe that. Our hearts are so terribly independent that we would never turn to him if God did not organize, orchestrate, arrange the troubles so that they turn out to be a blessing in disguise. And therefore our heart needs to come before God and to say, Father, all that I've gone through, ah, dear God, it has been engineered by your hand of grace and mercy to bring my heart to you. Well, thank you for joining me today. If you would like to help this program, especially at the end of the year when you might want to make end-of-year donations for da tax deduction purposes, then please send your donations to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. All these donations are tax deductible, as I said. Each program costs $39 per radio uh, per 15 minutes or $200 for a month's a week's programs or about $900 for a month's programs. Thank you for all your support throughout the year and for these end-of-year donations and I'll look forward then to seeing you next time. Cheerio and God bless.